1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I am Liz Loza, and today I am joined by Matt Harmon. Matt, thanks for hopping on.
1: My pleasure, Liz. It's It's a good time to be alive and talking about fantasy football.
0: Is it a good time for you to be alive right now though, Matt? Because I feel like, I feel like you're struggling.
1: (laughs) I'll just say I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, nobody's, I'm not in the best shape of my life anymore, but that's what happens when you start preseason, you know?
0: Right. You're missing the hashtag. That's cool. No big deal.
1: (laughs) Well, Liz, I mean, you, you, you're the one that's got the real story here. Do you want to tell the people what you've been up to uh, with one of our users uh, the last couple days?
0: It sounds so nefarious when you put it that way. Um, Yeah, it's been a bit of a a wild few days. I think you're referring to Zach and Sarah, uh, which on Thursday, Zach sent out a tweet saying that his wife, Sarah, was in labor and she was super bummed because her fantasy football draft on Yahoo was supposed to take place that evening. And she really didn't want to auto draft, but he didn't know what, she could do instead, because obviously there were more, this is not the best word to use, but the one I'm coming up with pressing matters at hand. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw the tweet and I thought, well, shoot, I can draft for Sarah. This is what I do for a living. So I contacted Zach and said, Hey, if it's cool with you guys, I can draft for her. He said, yes, please. That sounds great. Um, then I got in touch with our wonderful boss and manager, Jason Klovaka, who some other, if you've ever listened to the pod, the old podcast we had, you're familiar with his voice. Anyway, he was a, just a peach and got product on the line. And I had to hop onto the 405 to race home and beat traffic so that I could draft for her before um, the draft began. I was 12 minutes late. The 405 is a beast to contend with, but... Still pretty happy with that. And we got her a team and she got herself a healthy baby boy.
1: I mean, it's honestly one of the more amazing fantasy stories that I've heard. Uh, It's just funny. Like, you know, everybody hates being online for the most part. It is generally a miserable experience. (laughs) But every now and again, you get like a great interconnected story like that, especially from fantasy. I thought it was really cool. Any highlights from the team that uh, like that you want to share?
0: Well, there was one moment, so it's a lot of pressure. Again, I
1: yeah, think, right, right, for sure. I mean, it's, this is bigger than anything.
0: Yeah, well, she was certainly feeling the most pressure, and having done it twice myself, I, I understand and empathize. But I was like, oh my goodness, like this woman's team is in my hands. It felt so much more magnified or amplified than a regular draft. And so I was trying to, and there's so much going on, right? Like the clock is ticking, and I'm trying to figure out the league settings and, and just. What, what's the scoring format, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then once we got into a flow, I have been pretty high, and by high I'm using that word in quotes, Tyler Eifert as a value play late drafts mm-hmm. at the tight end position because I feel like if you're not going to get one of the top guys and maybe someone that you're going to talk about a little bit later now that some other chips have fallen, um, then really it's best to wait on the position. You and I have talked about how Jordan Reed and Tyler Eifert have – Enormous ceilings, but obviously their injury risk is the downside. But when that value is baked into their draft price, maybe it's worth it. So I had drafted Tyler Eifert, pretty much assuming based on the flow that the draft was giving me and the way the rest of the league was drafting, that I could back him up with OJ Howard. Now I don't normally like to back tight ends up, but I didn't know Sarah's draft philosophy and this league with standard scoring, start three wide receivers. So I was like, uh, maybe she prefers something a little more old school. And so, but OJ Howard, I was sniped on. And so I all of a sudden freaked out at a level that I wouldn't have freaked out. I was like, oh my God, I should get Gusecki. He's a nice, he's an upside play. That that could definitely work. And I was like, no, 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 don't reach for a player. What are you doing? You can never reach for a player. He'll be on the waiver wire. So like, (laughs) that was a moment that I definitely stressed about. Otherwise, I think her team is really solid. It's the starters are really solid for the most part. I think in alignment with consensus, but her bench Is full of upside. So, oh hey, Charlie, how you doing? I guess Charlie also likes to draft his bench full of upside players.
1: It's a real good roster all around. You know, we've got Antonio Brown, Mike Evans at wide receiver. You know, you've got some Jordan Howard there, but you've got you definitely got some of your guys too, like On Johnson, Kenny Galladay, both there. So, I mean, yeah, overall, real solid squad. I think you did this this lady one hell of a favor, and, and the whole family, to be honest.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, I was a little disappointed that the kid's middle name wasn't Loza, but (laughs) I understand it's a family name. His name is Woods. That's cool. I actually hope that someday I get to meet him because it was one of the more special things. And I just want to say something that fantasy football does. Like when people often ask, why are you so crazy about this hobby? It's so weird. But I really do think that fantasy is able to connect people in a way that many other, quote, hobbies aren't. And so it just, Made me feel really nice. And so congratulations, Zach and Sarah. Woods is a beautiful baby. And Porter, his big sister, is very lucky to have you both as parents.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And if people want to find it, there's a write-up on Yahoo. Uh, It's it's tweeted out from our Yahoo Fantasy handle at Yahoo Fantasy. So definitely go and, and read more about that.
0: All right. So if you guys also want to listen to some other Yahoo podcasts, not that everybody will be drafting for women in labor. I want to say that it's more of a trademark technique or trademark move here by me, mostly, and at the Fantasy Pod. But please do check out the Yahoo Sports College podcast. That one's featuring Dan Wetzel, Pat Forty, and Pete Thamel. We also have a Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Therese Paler and Charles Robinson. Both podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. And while you're there, do check out the Yahoo Sports MLB podcast because it is the OG of the Yahoo Sports Podcast Network. Matt, um, you spent the weekend in the office.
1: Yep, spent the weekend watching preseason. And I'll be honest with you, I was having a blast. Uh I have like mixed feelings on preseason obviously it's you know not exactly what we want but there was a ton of games and I feel like I, I learned a lot so yeah for sure I mean that's my life just watching football and being in the office I guess uh, I guess that's one way to live.
0: And asking Charlie to heal.
1: Yeah, seriously.
0: So, so I'm going to ask you then, Matt, since you watched all of the games and had a ton of fun apparently doing it and learned some things. What were those things? Give me a couple of takeaways from week two.
1: Yeah, one guy that really stood out was Marquise Goodwin. You know, he's been buzzy this offseason in terms of that connection that he and Jimmy Garoppolo had uh, last year that we saw them end the year on a high note that it's rolled over into the offseason he's actually a guy just published my reception perception findings on and you could just find him on Twitter use the hashtag reception perception reception perception and you know he's definitely someone that I like a lot but um, we saw him once again just put on paper that connection that him and Jimmy Garoppolo have you know he, he he's got this great contested catch in tight coverage, you know, he has become a real full field route runner, a real complete receiver beyond just, you know, a fast Olympian. And he's definitely someone that I'm kind of all in on at cost right now. You know, when we talked on our first podcast episode, I was kind of like, I don't know who I like out of this 49ers group, but he's definitely the guy. I mean, it's, it's been shown throughout a couple of preseason games now. So he's definitely someone that that stood out and, and I really like a lot and, Uh, The Bears offense, too. I enjoyed watching them. Obviously, the big player there to watch was was Trey Burton. I mean, he was really putting it on the Broncos defense. You know, was clearly a featured guy. Not not only did he move around, you know, didn't just stay at the inline tight end spot, but I mean, he looked damn good. And he's a guy I have in my top five tight ends. And, you know, I, I don't see any reason to not be really all in on him this year. Um, and also Allen Robinson. I know he didn't catch any passes, but he's a guy that lined up in the slot multiple times for that Bears offense in that preseason game, and that was great to see because I think that was the biggest detriment, you know, beyond Blake Bortles to his fantasy success in 2016 was the fact they just lined him up in one receiver spot at the X. I think him moving around, taking slot snaps, taking snaps at the flanker position is going to be a big boon for his uh, his fantasy stock. So this is kind of my big takeaways from the weekend.
0: You know, you mentioned Trey Burton, who was a guy that I liked a lot, but felt was going a little too high in drafts, mostly because of Adam Shaheen's presence, because it wasn't less than a year ago, uh, or this time, rather, last year, that people were calling Adam Shaheen a sneaky sleeper. Mm -hmm. He's a pass-catching end who's bigger than Trey Burton um, and who Matt Nagy had praised, saying he had very natural hands and he was excited to use. But Shaheen got hurt. Now, it does seem like he got away with just a – a bit of a lower ankle sprain, but that seems like something that can recur. And I do agree with you that Burton looks solid. So now, at his current price, I think I, I am certainly buying on him. And I do have him in an auction draft league. I, I purchased him for 17 bucks, though I really just threw out that number because I thought I could get Evans to bite, and he didn't. <laughs> but it might work out for me after all. Um, two guys that I like—they're deeper plays, but I want to give them a mention. Um, Actually, I'm going to do three guys. I'm going to do a receiver and two potential handcuffs, which you won't draft now, but you will keep an eye on in advance of, say, week 10 or 11 of the regular season. The first, though, is the receiver. That's James Washington. Matt, you liked him a lot. Um, You know, he bailed out, I would say, Mason Rudolph for the bulk of his college career, and he returned the favor, maybe not returned the favor, but, but extended the favor to Joshua Dobbs. In the Thursday preseason game, dude can prove, dude proved that he can win the 50-50s. I really liked his contested catch ability, and I think with Vance McDonald being unavailable, he's got this foot injury that no one's really talking about, but he hasn't practiced. He was also hurt this time last year, and I think with McDonald potentially on the shelf, that could open things up for James Washington a lot as the season progresses. Big Ben has praised him. And I think there's an opportunity here. So so much to keep an eye on. Certainly the talent appears to be there. And we don't have to really worry worry about Pittsburgh, uh, rookies in Pittsburgh, hitting that plateau. Because as we saw from Juju Smith-Schuster last year, they just seem to fit right in and catch on to that playbook. So any thoughts on Washington?
1: Yeah, you're right. Washington's a guy I liked a lot. Um, I tweeted this out. The other day when he did have that big contested catch rate, that's something that he proved in college that he could do. He had the best contested catch conversion rate for any prospect I've charted in reception perception over the last three years. 87% conversion rate. That was a clear trump card trade of his you know something that he does better than anybody else and that's something he's been doing in Steelers practice too so I'm with you I think he contributes in three wide receiver sets early on I do think that his presence is going to cap Juju Smith Schuster's ceiling I've I've talked about that in other podcasts before too so yeah I'm, I'm with you he's he's not a guy I'm like going out of my way to target there are other late round players that I like better but he I definitely think he's gonna be on the field contributing and like on a week-to-week matchup basis, we're going to be talking about James Washington this year.
0: I dig it. All right, last two guys really quickly. Don't want to spend a lot of time on them because they're not guys I think you're going to draft unless you're in a dynasty league. And the first is John Kelly. He was drafted in the sixth round by the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, Todd Gurley is the feature guy, but because he is the feature guy, it's interesting to see who would potentially be behind him. Kelly ripped off a nice 40-yard Touchdown run versus Baltimore in week two. Kid has vision. I mean, there's no no denying it. He has those peepers out. I really also like his balance. He's patient. All of the things you want to see. But additionally, in terms of what it might do for Todd Gurley's value right away, is his receiving ability has a great ceiling in terms of his pass catching potential. And I think that's going to take away from Todd Gurley's targets potentially. So you know, you expect a bit of a regression, obviously, from Todd Gurley, but I'm interested to see as John Kelly continues to get reps, what he, uh, what, what, what that'll do to Todd Gurley's position. And again, you know, he's, he's a first round talent. No one's disputing that this is Gurley. Um, But if he were to go down or be sidelined, I think Kelly could be a serviceable handcuff. um, If that were to happen, hope it doesn't happen. Also just want to get Sean McVay, by the way, a stinking genius. I love that. He refuses to start any of his starters in these preseason games and he's like, "No, I'm not. Probably he's going to do it week 3 in some capacity and that's it." I love that he is making the rules or tweaking the rules to work for him. Just an exciting team to watch as it continues to evolve. The other guy I want to talk about briefly is James Conner. This was a like a favorite pick of mine heading into the 2017 season. He's on the Pittsburgh Steelers, beat cancer, went to Pitt, drafted by the home team. So that's exciting. He's backing up Le'Veon Bell. But last season, he really struggled. He couldn't get on the field. Pass protection was a mess. He ended the season with an MCL injury. Now he's healthy. Lots of positive reports out of the spring and summer. And in camp, he looked, I thought, pretty great. Now, admittedly, it was against the Packers, um, and it was a preseason game. But he had a, a few really solid runs and a score in the first quarter. Again, I'm mentioning it because Le'Veon Bell, you know, Gurley and Bell are 1-2 on most people's draft boards, even if it's not yours, Matt. Um, so if this holdout situation becomes a problem, it's nice to know that the Steelers do have someone serviceable behind him. And it's not Fitzgerald Toussaint.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, that, that was definitely a good sign. I think both of those guys are great to mention because, again, you know, it's, it's high-end running backs but and, and good offenses too. And if they ever go down, which we hope does not happen, these guys are – players are going to be talking about for sure.
0: So just tab them. Just make a little note to yourself. Um, Matt, was there anything – do you remember – I'm putting you on the spot here. In your childhood, a confession you had to make, maybe not in your teens, but like something G-rated that you did in your childhood and you were like really scared to confess it.
1: Yeah, this is funny. I actually have like a horrible guilty conscience and just like uh, just bad at this stuff in general. Uh, so when I was a kid, I would always end up telling on myself or like being and that's not to like, oh, look at me. I'm such a good kid or whatever. But like there was one time that when we were in a Walmart, you know, it was me, my younger sister, my mom. And like there was just, you know, there's like pack of rubber duckies or something. And one was just kind of out of the packet. And I just took it. And, like, as soon as we got in the parking lot, I, like, burst into tears <laughs> and told my mom, I was like, Mom, I stole this from the store. <laughs> and uh, so totally that that happened frequently when I was a kid. Do you have one? You can't just make me do it. And then you you don't you don't share a story.
0: Yeah. I I So I'm not a good liar, mostly because I'm so blunt, which doesn't yeah. really work for everybody. Can Can, can <laughs>
1: confirm. Can confirm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, but the, the benefit is you kind of know where you stand with me, and I, I'm never fibbing. But I remember I was playing with my cousin, who's about a year older than I am, and we were at, on the playground, and there was the fireman's pole, which I always thought was really fun. But my cousin was kind of a wuss. There's that blunt thing again. And he wouldn't jump to grab the pole. And I was waiting and waiting. And so I eventually pushed him. And oh, wow fell a lot far down. I think we were, I don't know, six. Um, So we fell and he like scraped his head and (laughs) I asked him if he was okay. He was crying. So to me, that was a confirmation that he wasn't. And so I ran across the street to tell my, uh, my grandpa that I had pushed cousin Joey off the fireman's pole, but then got in trouble because I had left him there at the park.
1: Well, it's been a good balance for you, this podcast. We start off with this great noble story about how you help a mother in need. And now, you know, we find out you definitely, like, we're pushing kids around as a as a child. So it's been a good balance for you, Liz.
0: I'm just impatient. Like, I don't have – listen, I don't have John Kelly's patience. I don't have Le'Veon Bell's patience. That's why I don't play in the NFL. But um, it actually worked for this segment because I want to know – We're going to call this the fantasy confession. Is there a player you've been stubborn about, but after two preseason showings has either moved up or down in your rankings?
1: Yeah, and this is so important. This is what preseason is all about, is to try to kind of put your long-held notions from the summer to the test. Um, One guy, I don't know that I was necessarily – thought I was too low on him but I definitely think is rising up my board based on preseason action is Christian McCaffrey you know we talked about he's another player that we talked about on the first podcast and you know kind of split on whether we really believed Ron Rivera saying you know that he was going to have 25 to 30 touches now I would be stunned if he does have that big of a workload I I think there's like a zero percent chance he does average 25 to 30 touches this year but what it shows is based on their words, that they want him to be their feature back. And that's really what they've put to action this preseason. You know, he's consistently out there as the guy, as the RB1. You know, C.J. Anderson comes in, like, after Cameron Artis pain the last couple of games. You know, McCaffrey, meanwhile, is running between the tackles. We saw him break off that long run uh, as an interior play. You know, he's out there, again, catching passes, doing that for sure. But He's someone that I have moved inside my top 12 running backs into my third tier of backs alongside guys like Fournette and Dalvin Cook and uh, Devonta Freeman. You know, th- that range of players. Um, and I think he's he firmly belongs there and really could be a slam dunk pick. He's some, someone now that just a, over the preseason, I've started to take. In the second round of drafts, and I'm okay having as my number one running back on my team. And I didn't think I'd be saying that uh, this time, uh, you know, a month ago.
0: Well, I appreciate your honesty there. I, I still, second round is too early for me. And knowing now that people will be paying the Harmon tax on CMC, I guess I won't own him anywhere. Um, but I think you make an excellent point about CJ Anderson, who is a value pick that I have been targeting in drafts over you know july and early august i guess is this still early august it's all mushing together to me it might as well be october this This
1: month has flown by (laughs) so i have no idea i don't know what day it is
0: um so someone that i am finally going to relent on is ronald jones i've moved him down outside of my top 25 running backs to my rb 32 overall i still think that Peyton Barber is going to end up being an afterthought in this offense, not because I believe he deserves that, but because I believe Dirk Cotter doesn't believe in him. I mean, they are paying him um, $630,000 or one year. That's the league minimum. So it shows how much they valued him. The fact that Dirk Cotter has continued to pick oh, since 2016, because it's not like Barber's a new addition to the Bucks. Jaquiz Rogers, who is not built to be, And every down back and then Doug Martin through tons of ineffectiveness and a suspension and a concussion last season until finally landing on Barber shows me that he doesn't believe in the kid. However, when I look at the preseason, Rojo just doesn't look good. Yeah, he you know, I, I was I felt okay about the first week because fine, he's working out some kinks. The. Uh, the goal line plunge looked pretty good to me. There was burst there. I thought, all right, there's some gusto. I got it. I, I see his his um, burst and explosiveness in that run, but four carries for two yards. I'm sorry. This is not looking great. If anything, I'm going to, as a Rojo believer, appreciate in this moment that it's depressing his draft stock, and maybe I get him at a lesser price and he works out kinks and eventually evolves because, again, I just don't think Dirk isn't going to. I don't think Dirk's going to have the discipline not to lean on him.
1: Hmm. Yeah, Ronald Jones easily one of the biggest losers of the preseason. Sorry to say, but you know he's running back twenty eight right now in drafts. He's falling, but he's still a fifth round pick. I would definitely not want to pay that price maybe if he starts to get into that seventh round range, when you're looking around him, guys like Carlos Hyde, who by the way has looked awesome this preseason, uh, Chris Carson, another one who had a up and down night, the other uh, on Saturday, like, yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough for me with Ronald Jones to really see the path to, to fantasy relevance. Now, Barber, is not someone I'm going out of my way to target, but I would definitely take him to double digit rounds right now, especially if you go, you know, a, a wide receiver, heavy approach, and, and he's a guy maybe you could rely on for the first month of the season before he potentially gets phased out. If, if you agree with Liz on that. Um, I, yeah. I, I just Ronald Jones right now. I mean, he has more carries than yards in the preseason. Uh, he, he, doesn't look like he's going to be an asset in the pass game at all. And on a team that's probably going to finish below 500 and get off to a rocky start, like that's just a total red light to me. Yeah,
0: It's, it's a painful one, but we'll see what happens. Again, I'm admitting it. I'm admitting it now. He does have upside, but right now his price isn't worth that upside. So um, sometimes in the summer, Matt, like it gets real hot, especially here in Southern California. And, I mean, we had temps over 110 in the valley where I live. That can kind of make your brain do goofy things. Maybe it makes you fall in love or lust with somebody. Was there anyone? Did you ever have a summer fling or a summer swoon?
1: Oh, yeah. For, for sure. For sure. I, uh, you
0: want to share just, just a tidbit, just a little bit?
1: Nope. <laughs> 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 they all ended poorly. Let's just put it that way.
0: Well, that's the thing about Summer 11, right? Not everybody can be Danny Zuko and, um, oh, Sandy from Greece, which is a totally dated reference, but less about my age and more about the fact that I clearly was a musical theater nerd and clearly didn't have enough summer swims <laughs> because uh, I... Decided that that was a a fine musical to mention. Regardless, um, I'm trying to think of my summer smooths. I remember this boy Pete at camp one summer, but it like, you know, summer, the camp was two weeks long and then it was over. And then we met at the wave pool one time and it was super awkward and I never Mm -hmm. talked to him again. But again, this is the sort of thing that happens over the summer. So I want to know is there a guy who you were really into in the depths of summer when it was the hottest outside it caught he caught your attention but now as we're approaching fall and in theory the temperatures begin to cool he is not necessarily the fantasy the the fantasy prospect you assumed he could be or maybe he is indeed and this is your Danny Zuko
1: yeah, I think that th- th- I have a situation that's kind of both of those. One was Richard Matthews was a guy that I was drafting a lot of in early, early best ball drafts. You know, he looked like a guy who was way underpriced, was someone that was going to way outkick his average draft position, which was like in the wide receiver 50 range, you know, as the number two on an offense that I do expect to take a big, big leap in Tennessee um, but he hasn't practiced all summer, and it's a weird, mysterious injury where they're not really telling us that, you know, Tennessee's kind of trying to be Patriot South <laughs> down there with uh, Mike Vrabel and some of their front office members. They're not giving us any information on this injury. So Matthews is kind of a guy I've completely stopped drafting, but it's opened the door for a true romance here with Taewon Taylor. I mean, this guy is one of the best late round picks you can make right now. Um, he's going to be in my deep sleepers piece, just is going to be out Tuesday morning on Yahoo. And I'll explain a little bit more, but he's someone that's run with the first team all off season. He's a second year wide receiver, just like Corey Davis is, but nobody's really, I mean, very few people there, there are some, there are a handful of real big Taiwan fans out there. Josh Norris from Roto world, probably chief among them, but he, he's someone that Josh and I talked about last off season. And after charting him for reception perception as a college prospect, he's another guy that had a really, despite being a smaller guy. You know, great contested catch rate, 76%, really good for a player his size. Also, super explosive downfield speed and after the catch. And that was what he showed uh, in that preseason game. He was one of the most fun players to watch on Saturday, out there with the first team, the second team making big plays, scored a, hand, scored a pair of touchdowns. And, again, he's someone that you can get in, like, the 16th, 17th round of your drafts right now. And, and when he's there, he's just an auto-click to me because – I think he's got a great shot to play both inside and outside receiver for the Titans and be a mismatch there. Uh, he's someone I'm, I'm super excited about and is squarely on the breakout radar. So, yeah, that my summer romance right now is is in bloom uh, with Taewon Taylor. He definitely needs to be drafted higher. Uh,
0: I, I love that pick. I, I moved him up in my rankings as well. Um, I actually have him just ahead of John Brown. Which is interesting, where those kind of guys are are coming together. Though I think he is, as you mentioned, much more versatile than John Brown. I think people look at him and they look at him after the catch and they think, oh, he's just a speedster. But that's a, that's not the that's not his game at all. I think I think it's a misconception about Taylor. So I love that you mentioned him and also Corey Davis has proven that he's not always healthy. You know, he's had trouble staying on the field, which could potentially open up even more looks for Taylor. So I I love that pick a lot. I'm going to talk about the New Orleans backfield. Obviously, with um, Mark Ingram suspended for the first month of the season, there's some question marks there. Alvin Kamara, I think we can both agree. We expect to see a slight regression out of. That's just typical. Um, But I think that Jonathan Williams is interesting and so is boston scott i like boston scott i wrote plenty of summer pieces about him but jonathan williams is the guy i'm moving my attention to because i think boston scott is a more raw prospect and while he does comp to darren's roles and i think he has a future on that team and we know how much john payton likes those space satellite backs um, scott's got a lot more work to do i think he's probably going to get most run on special teams right now but jonathan williams has been getting getting reps with the first team. Um, He did so in the second preseason game. He appears to have leapfrogged Terrence West on the team's depth chart. So I think he is probably going to get first crack at the carries without Mark Ingram in the lineup. Now, we know also that Sean Payton and Mark Ingram have had their moments together a couple of dust-ups um
1: (laughs) talk about a rocky relationship yeah
0: yeah and so it it also wouldn't surprise me to see Sean Payton try to push Ingram out and if Jonathan Williams proves to be a suitable replacement I think he could maybe wrestle that job away so Jonathan Williams is someone that I'm keeping tabs on but the romance began similarly to yours with Boston Scott
1: Mm. yeah for sure I mean it's an interesting backfield you know Terrence West, Shane Marine probably are not the guys there. So, yeah, it, it is. It's a definitely one we need to watch because you always want your running backs attached to good offenses, and obviously the Saints have been probably right up there with New England as the most productive backfield for fantasy the last decade, really.
0: And, and they're going to run more and more as we saw last year. So,
1: yep, no doubt. Um,
0: all right, let's uh, let's let's talk to our listeners. Right, you send out these tweets via the social handle. At Yahoo Yahoo Fantasy, right? Correct,
1: yes. That is the Twitter handle.
0: Yes, the the
1: Twitter handle, correct.
0: Um, And this segment we like to call At Me. It's one of the few times that we like to be added. So this one comes from Mike Cross, at CrossMike on Twitter. He wants to know, ooh, I wish we had Brad Evans for this one. Is it finally, quote, finally the time to saddle up on Josh Gordon? What say you, Matt Harmon?
1: I think so. Um... I'm excited. I always have been excited about Gordon, not as excited as Brad. Uh, I don't necessarily see a top 10 season out of Gordon, and that's really no slight to him. It's just more that this is a crowded offense, uh, which is strange to say about the Browns, but a lot of good players here are going to get volume. You know, Jarvis Landry is a player I'm absolutely drafting at his cost, which I think is too low. Wide receiver 21. Um, Gordon is obviously... He's right in that same range right now. Wide receiver 20 uh, in the fourth round. Um, He's someone that was falling, obviously, based on the news over the last month. But I I think if you get him, especially as your wide receiver two or wide receiver three, if you go really heavy receiver to start with, I think he's totally palatable at at cost this year, even if he's going to go a little higher than than that late fourth round like he's in right now, because I think he's going to offer big, big upside weeks. You know, he might be a little volatile. I have him in the same tier as guys like Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, um, who I do expect to be up and down volatile week to week producers. But um, I-, I think he can provide you those big week winning uh, performances. And he's definitely someone I've, I think it's time to saddle up.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy who is a top 30 fantasy producer in three of five games last winter and he averaged 18.6 yards per catch with Deshaun Kaiser under center. You know, whether you're yeah. on the Mayfield bandwagon or you're still, you, you me and Jalen Ramsey are still believing in Tyrod Taylor, then I think Gordon can really do something. I have him fearlessly forecasted for 69 catches, just over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. There's going to be weeks where he gets you nothing, but that's why you lean into roster construction and balance and you find a nice floor play to accommodate or to accompany uh, Gordon so that you're not getting screwed every week.
1: Yeah. If you could pair him with like an Adam Thielen, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, those are guys I have in the tier above him. And, you know, I think those guys will be steady week to week producers. And then you double up and you bet you get Gordon as your two. Um, th- those are the type of, teams I really like to like to construct. And I'm definitely interested in this whole Browns receiver core. I, I think there's 0% chance they sign Des Bryant. Now that Josh Gordon's back, He's, you know, you've got Antonio Cowan and, and my guy, Rashard Higgins, kind of making a, making some preseason noise there too. Uh, so they've got a nice young receiver group. I, and David and Njoku's obviously had a good off season as well. So this Cleveland offense, man, it's, it's interesting.
0: Let's move on. Um, we talked about the Titans a little bit earlier. This question is from Frankie at Franklin LR three, it seems like every time Corey Davis does something good, the cameras are off. What is his fantasy outlook this year? Breakout or no?
1: Where do you stand on Corey Davis? Because I don't think I have a strong opinion on him. You know, he goes off the board kind of around wide receiver thirty. Um, that's right where I have him in my sixth tier as wide receiver thirty, around guys like Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb, Marquise Goodwin. You know, guys that I think could definitely and probably will outkick their average draft position. But Davis is the guy that um, I think he's he's fairly valued right now. I'm kind of happy that he's had a bit of a slower offseason because I thought he was someone that could be, you know, way blown up if he had a big training camp, and a big preseason. But he hasn't stayed healthy, as you mentioned it earlier. And I definitely I'm really high on this whole offense. And he's kind of the most expensive pass catcher by far. So for, for that reason alone, I've been much happier to take Delaney Walker later um, and definitely again, Taewon Taylor in the late rounds.
0: So this was a player that Dalton and I discussed on last week's pod because I had him ranked ahead of Chris Hogan and I still do, but I moved Chris Hogan up because as we were talking about roster construction with the last question, Davis to me is much more of an upside play and where my drafts have been landing. I feel more comfortable with a floor play like Hogan hmm. around that same spot. I do think you're right that he's fairly valued. The issue is the health, right? I mean, there's yeah. been a wellspring of platitudes that have been written about this guy since, I don't know, February, March, and he showed well in camp, but the minute he had to leave Uh, and go ride the bike and leave camp like then everybody freaked out because of his history of hamstring issues so you know and again you're talking about Rabel and that's the Belichick coaching tree and they're secretive about injuries so I agree he's fairly priced again I would take him if I was depending on how my draft was falling if I felt like there was an upside play needed at that point I would go for it um I think he can do a lot. It's just that the sample size is so small. I mean, we're looking at a postseason season game, right? right? But the talent is there. Um, the pedigree is there. What is your tolerance for injury? My friend Bob Harris, who you know as well, likes to be injury agnostic. I think I could get down with that philosophy and Corey Davis, depending on how the chips were falling as I was drafting.
1: I love your thought just about roster construction. I think if I had to take him, you know, as my fourth wide receiver, again, if you're going wide receiver, heavy approach as somebody that you're exposed all the upside, but don't really want to be, um, you know, hampered by the downside. I I like him in that situation. And it's, it's worth saying that we, we sound negative on Davis, but, this was a dominant, dominant college player. I mean, there was a reason he went fifth overall in that draft. I mean, based on any evaluation method you used, he was a, an absolute stud uh, of a prospect. So if he can get healthy and he can get rolling, he could definitely be the alpha in this offense. But it just, we just don't have like a consistent drumbeat building up to that at this point.
0: Oh, drumbeats. I know how much you like those. Um, <laughs> so let's, that, that segues perfectly into the next question. At El Jefe, at Jeff Brunson wants to know what should we really take away from preseason action? Du-dun, du-dun, du-dun. Matt, it's okay.
1: Yeah, it's it is all about that drumbeat. Um, you want to see you want to see players doing well in the preseason for sure. Um, but what you want that to be is a kind of acceleration of a, an offseason full of positive buzz. I think Trey Burton is a great example of that you know, he's not just some guy that's playing well in the preseason. He's a player that when he signed with the Bears, you know we projected him to be like, oh, this is the, the Travis Kelsey role. He's filling those shoes in this offense. And then Matt Nagy kind of confirmed that with his statements. Then he, in training camp, was being moved around. Then we saw that in the first preseason game, him moving around like that. And then we saw him really perform extremely well as an individual player in this second preseason game, that's sort of the crescendo of the drum beat that you want to see in preseason. And also just pay attention to where players line up, what, where they're getting reps, not necessarily so much who pops from a statistical perspective, but more so when and where they are playing.
0: And a player who did that brilliantly and memorably was Adrian Peterson, but that was all the way back in 2007. So I have to ask you, and I, Seleccion Brasil is asking the same question. Is Adrian Peterson worth a pickup if he signs with Washington, which he has done apparently. And this is mm-hmm. for a 10 team PPR league. I have some thoughts, but I'll let you go first.
1: Yeah. I, uh, it's so weird to say, cause it feels like the type of player I just absolutely don't want to draft, but I kind of think Adrian Peterson is interesting with Washington. Um, I never really bought that Darius Geis would be like a three-down back. I know you were much higher on him than I was as a fantasy player before his unfortunate injury. Um, but I think Peterson can kind of fill in to that two-down role, you know, be what Samaje Pirine was last year, be what Rob Kelly could be this year. And I think he might have just enough juice left to do that. You know, if you remember his performance in Arizona last year, I don't really care about what happened with the Saints. That was just a a nightmare fit to begin with. But the, he had a couple of you know massive games, Peterson, and then the rest of them were just god-awful. But I think a lot of that has to do with just – that was a terrible offense, the 2017 Cardinals. and I. But I think the 2018 Redskins are going to be a really good offense with Alex Smith and a lot of the weapons that are there. It's a great offensive line with a lot of in, individual talent if they can stay healthy. I was in a draft last night actually – uh, drafting from my phone while I was at a barbecue. <laughs> and uh, I took Peterson in the, in the last round, you know, before he signed. And I think that if you can take him in those late rounds, I, I kind of think I'm into it. I, I think he can give you some, you know, boom bust RB2 value. Uh, now that he's kind of the two down back in a good offense.
0: Yeah, I think what's interesting is that a lot of people are saying, oh, he's washed. You saw him in Arizona. But the Cardinals line last year was awful. It's going to be awful, a yeah. this year with a- AQ Shipley out. But that's another another mm-hmm. discussion. Also, game script is a big issue for Peterson here. So, you you know, it's really tough to project those. We, we try to do it. We try our best to do it, right? But I think yeah, he's right. going to be much more game script dependent than most running backs. You are going to get touchdown value from him, though. I agree. I don't think he's as washed as people are saying. I don't think in a 10-team PPR league I'm going to draft him, though, because you have plenty of other options and we know Adrian Peterson can't catch. I think that this benefits, frankly, Jamison Crowder the most, because Chris yeah. Thompson Still isn't healthy. I mean, there are some reports that said he wasn't expecting his leg to be back to 100% till November. Now, I do think he's obviously going to start before then, but he's not at 100%. And Peterson can't really catch. And so I like the idea of Jamison Crowder getting the bulk of those looks, whereas I felt like Geis could see a lot more in the the passing game um, previous to that.
1: Yeah, I think Peterson – that's a great point. I hadn't really considered how that would affect, you know, Jamison Crowder. I still like drafting Chris Thompson and when he gets to that eighth, ninth round range of a half PPR or higher. Um, but that is a fascinating take on that. And, and Peterson, I would just note, like, I it, he might be washed, but it also might not matter. You know, I, I say this all the time with, with fantasy is that like running back talent, don't really care so much about that. Just want to emphasize situations and offensive strength. And I just think this is a nice setup for Peterson. If he was going to land somewhere, this is probably the ideal uh, spot for that. So yeah, he's I'm, I I think we're, we're definitely away from the consensus though, which is just, you know, brush it off. Like he's completely washed.
0: No, no. I think if you can get a a late round pick on him, why not? Um, And you know what else? Why not listen to Scott Pianowski? There's no reason not to listen to Scott Pianowski because he has incredible draft strategy, particularly when it comes to auction drafts. So I'm gonna let him give you his five auction tips right now.
2: Hi, this is Scott Pienowski of Yahoo Sports. And today I'm gonna share with you my top five tips for auction drafts in 2018. Okay, these are much more strategic than your regular drafts. We need to get a little bit deeper in the strategy. I'm gonna give you five tips to help you nail it, knock it out of the park. Uh, tip number one is you want to get money off the table in your auction. You want your opponents to spend money and lose their leverage as the auction meanders along. And the way you're going to do that is you're going to generally nominate star players you don't want, uh, the best players you can see on the board who don't fit your strategy, and you're also going to nominate key players who don't fit your roster. If you, say, I already have Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski probably wouldn't make sense for you. Get Gronkowski out there for a dollar. Get out of the way. Watch people spend money. Enjoy life. Uh, You also want to vary, vary your nomination style. You don't want to get too predictable. You don't want to be somebody who always chases their nominations or runs away from them. People will pick up on that. And you don't always have to nominate the best player left on the board. Sometimes it makes sense to bring up somebody against the flow of an auction. Maybe you nominate a handcuff before the primary back or maybe you nominate a kicker out of nowhere or defense or something like that. Don't be predictable. You want to basically have a poker face all during the auction. Uh, Tip number three for auction drafts, you want to try to buy while your opponents will still have alternatives. If two people get caught bidding on the last good player in a tier or the last good player at a position, the pricing can get obscene. Inflation takes over. But if you're buying in that sweet middle spot of an auction, I realize this is a nebulous thing. But if your opponents have some sort of alternative, it will give them an excuse to drop out if they don't like the price at some point. You want to buy when it's not clear to the entire room that this is the last good thing going. Tip number four for auction draft: You have to know when to let go sometimes. Just because your opponent has a good price on a player, sometimes you just have to let it go. It's like in basketball. Sometimes you can see the layup because you're in foul trouble. Why would I let a good buy go to my opponent? Well, maybe it's going to put them in a bad financial spot if they make this purchase. Maybe it's going to screw up the composition of their roster. Maybe it's going to encourage the rest of the room that the pricing has come down a level or two. It may set me up for a good buy later. Just because somebody's sitting on a good number doesn't mean you have to fight everything. Again, sometimes you get got to let that layup go. Sometimes you have to think long term, and the player on the board at this moment isn't worth fighting for. The final auction tip for 2018 overbids are very important in the end game. I really try hard to not get stuck on $1 players late because then you get the burden of the nomination. You bring up a good player for a buck, it gets trampled. You bring up a bad player for a buck, everybody sticks you with them. It's a terrible way to go through the end game. Not so bad if half the room has put themselves in this position, but a lot of times you can be one of the few owners in that spot, you have absolutely no leverage. Also remember in the end game, it can often be a race to the key number. Know what your maximum bid is. Know what your opponent's maximum bid is. Sometimes the first person to yell out two or three in those end game bids will get to a key player. So be ready to bid if a guy you want comes up. Know what the maximum bids are. Sometimes that two or that three is a really important number in the end game. Those are my five tips for auction strategy. Follow me on Twitter, Scott underscore We can talk more about it. I want you to dominate your auction drafts on Yahoo in 2018.
0: Matt, do you think you learned something from that?
1: I always learn something when I when I listen to Scott. Scott is one of the, I think he's one of the sharper people, not just on our staff, but in fantasy in general. And I really like to, he had a great article on this as well, where he, he got five, you know, five tips for auctions. And I think the fascinating part about auction is that there's not just, uh, there's not necessarily like, Okay, it's going to follow this sort of flow. But there's so much of a psychological perspective there. And I think Scott does a great job talking about that.
0: He definitely knows how to get into people's heads. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) So actually that, you know, when I think about getting into someone's head, sometimes I get into my own head. And I'm looking at my rankings and I'm thinking, oh, what do I do with a certain player? And I know that a lot of fantasy analysts like to pretend that this is no big thing and that you just move from the gut and you have these metrics and it's super easy. But I'll be honest that sometimes I struggle with my ranks. We've talked about running backs that have been hard for us to personally rank. Wide receivers were discussed last week. Tight ends is the position I want to talk about. I'm actually going to go first on this one because I want to hear your thoughts and then, you know, feel free to follow up. Delaney Walker is a tight end that I'm having trouble ranking. You know, he's been such a stud at the position since he landed in Tennessee, frankly, in 2013. I currently have him as my tight end nine. I just moved Trey Burton ahead of him. Um, but, you know, there are other weapons like Taiwan Taylor and potentially Corey Davis. So I'm not sure what the volume is going to be. Plus, he had this toe injury, and he's not the youngest player by any means, so... What does that mean in terms of lingering? We saw what a toe injury did to Jordan Reed a little while ago. And behind him is Jonu Smith, who captivated me early in 2017. He had uh, two scores in the first four weeks. He's a raw prospect, undoubtedly, but 6'3", 248 pounds. And most intriguingly, he's a 92nd percentile spark athlete. I really like his ability to develop here what are your thoughts on Smith and Walker and actually where do you have Walker
1: I actually have Walker as my tight end four uh
0: that is too high my friend
1: (laughs) I have him atop my third tier of tight ends obviously just behind Gronk on a tier of his own and then Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz I'm definitely a little hesitant now with the injury but he is someone that I was consistently drafting drafting in the like seventh round range. Cause I think tight end is just such a nightmare uh, this year more than ever. There's really no, like usually there's a couple late round buzzy guys, you know, like Tyler Eifert in years past or Julius Thomas, if you really want to throw it back, you know, some of these guys that were high on as breakout players, it's, it's rough out there after like tight end 12. I don't really, I'm not super jazzed about anyone. So Walker, I thought was a really, really safe pick. Um, and I think he's one of the few tight ends that's had a hundred, over hundred targets in the last like four seasons. So he's definitely someone I like a lot. So I think we, we kind of stand on opposite sides there. He's someone I, I think is probably the safest pick out of, out of this offense. But again, the injury definitely is worth noting.
0: And what about you? Is there, is there a guy that you're having trouble ranking?
1: Well, yeah, the whole the whole position sucks, so it's it's tough to rank. But I think I might be. Too, where do you have Jimmy Graham? He's been the toughest guy for me to rank. I have him at tight end eight in my fourth tier, alongside Evan Ingram and George Kittle, who I do think is a breakout candidate, but you know also has an injury. I really wonder if I'm too low on Graham. I think he might be a player that could be in the the third tier of tight end. He the third tier of tight ends. He's definitely had. You know that big that big touchdown in the in the in the preseason. He's someone that I could I could see you know having ten to twelve scores this year as Aaron Rodgers' top tight end. Even if he's not a big yardage getter, um, he he's a tough one for me to rank for sure.
0: I have him tight end five mm. overall, um, and I did move him up I think one spot after that preseason effort. Uh, I I just and coming back from a patella tear and doing what he's done um, and also not having a lot of faith in the Packers wide receiver three options this year I mean I think I think some of those rookies can develop eventually but I'm not a Geronimo Allison believer I don't think Cobb's going to stay healthy and so I think when I look at the target share I have to believe that Graham's going to get a ton of them and he's going to get the most high value targets in the red area
1: yeah yeah for sure there's there's I think he maybe is a bit of a volatile pick. Like, if he's completely done, that might be a problem. But I think he's, he's another one like Peterson, but a much better version, uh, you know, a, a better current resume uh, that I think even if he's, you know, lost several steps, uh, it's not going to really matter with that touchdown potential. So, yeah, tough position to rank, though, overall tight end. I mean, there's, after, again, after tight end 12, it gets really disgusting. So I've been keen to draft some of these guys that we're talking about right now over waiting at the position this year, which is what I've done in years past.
0: Would you take Jimmy Graham in the fourth round? I mean, in the fifth round?
1: No, probably not.
0: Then you're not getting him. Then you answered your question. You're not too (laughs) high on on him. Yeah,
1: I guess, I guess not, um, He's, he's When he's been around later in drafts, like there, in a couple of best ball drafts, I don't know, maybe he lasts longer there. For whatever reason, though, I think he's more of an ideal pick in that format. He's gotten to like the, the eighth, the seventh, eighth round range. And I've been, if, if Walker's gone, I've been a little bit more keen to take him there. But yeah, fifth round is, is too high for me.
0: All right. Well, that is going to do it for us. If you guys haven't, please go sign up for our game. You can Go to yahoo.com slash football start mocking tell us where you want to take jimmy graham or delaney walker or neither of those options maybe you're all on all in on Injoku. i don't know but you can also tweet us those questions and comments at yahoo fantasy and be sure to listen to listen to and subscribe to the podcast at apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts if you're in there and you have a little extra time maybe you give us a five star rating and a little review as long as it's positive And check us out again next week. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Liz Loza. You can follow me on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. And Matt?
1: At Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Still shamefully wearing that BYB like a bad tattoo. We're
0: out. Win big.
1: Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. (laughs)